Workplace Chameleon. My name is Dr. Selena. Welcome to our space, my place in this podcast virtual land. For those of you who may be new to us or maybe just wondered, what is it up with this chameleon? You know, a number of years ago, I was just looking for something. I didn't know what it was. I didn't need a mascot in my business. I didn't need, but I needed a visual. And through some conversations with my team, and I had always used the phrase, I'm just really a workplace chameleon. I show up different places as a workplace psychologist, learning and adapting to where I spend time every day. You know, in most days, privately, that's one to two companies. Certainly, if I'm doing conferences or gatherings, there's many more companies there. And over these last 13 years or so doing this full time, I've had to learn to adapt pretty quickly because I can walk into very different situations at any given part of my day. And I had always described myself as a chameleon. I, it just seemed to fit. Well, lo and behold, cruising around, I'm looking at stuff and there was the cutest, most adorable logo of a chameleon. And so I got to do some tweaking and make it mine and purchase the rights to it. And it just worked. So if you've been wondering what the heck is the Workplace Chameleon anyways, it's really just our logo. It's really a visual representation of the work that I aim to do and to share with you in many ways, keynoting, training, consulting, podcasting, writing, many ways. Because this world of work is rapidly changing. And for this episode, I want to talk about a word. Because you know, if you hang around with me long, I'm a word nerd. We're going to talk about the word struggle today. And how this fits in with our chameleon space, our work life, and our role and impact as leaders. So struggle by definition, I have to say, you know, when you when you look this up, whether you got a, a hard copy dictionary uh, still in your possession or you look them up online, struggle is an interesting one because it talks about a forceful or violent effort. Those are pretty strong words, forceful or violent effort to get free from some sort of restraint or constriction or that there was some sort of effort um, or struggle to get away from some restraint or constriction. Those are really strong words, forceful or violent. I think, interestingly, as we examine how language changes, certainly if I were to use in a crime scene drama on TV, We've heard the phrase, there were signs of a struggle, which usually meant in a crime scene that, you know, there was lots of blood splatter around. What does that mean when we use it? I'm struggling right now. Hmm. Okay. So is that forceful of violent efforts free from constraints? Does that mean blood splatter? I hope not. But I think there's something different there in our workspace when we say, I'm struggling. 
And that does mean some sort of constraint. That means I feel like I'm up against something and I feel blocked or I feel constrained in some way. I also did a little bit of research for this episode on struggle bus. Has anyone else heard the term struggle bus? That I'm riding the struggle bus today. So I did some research on it because it was a phrase that had been used in my household. And I really wanted to make sure that it didn't have any other types of connotations that were insensitive or uh, biased on what what did that really mean? And so interestingly enough, from several different sources, got to a little bit more about where this phrased was coined. And it was really recorded at the beginning of somewhere between 2000 and 2005, which in my world makes really good sense because I had kids at a at an age at that point that it was seemed to come up in uh, some of our conversations. And it was called the struggle bus. Interestingly, under uh, 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 an example where the bus goes through multiple bus stops on its way, and each bus stop could represent a new and potentially ridiculous struggle, that's their word, not mine, that you have to go through. And I thought this was an interesting analogy because we know language changes. And what is it that we try to understand about what we're going through and articulate it, much like I told my two-year-old once upon a time, use your words, of what are we really trying to talk about? Now, I've mentioned language changes. For example, uh, we once upon a time would have said something like, let me set the alarm on my phone. Well... In 1980, that would have looked really different. I would have literally taken my alarm and set it on my rotary dial phone. (laughs) Or even just a phrase like digital footprint. What does your digital footprint look like in the online internet environment? That would have made no sense some years ago. Or going viral used to have a way different meaning than it does right now in I'm currently in 2020, depending on when you're listening to this, because there would have been nothing that I used to say would have made sense if the phrases were Google that or see you on Zoom or, you know, tweet that. No, those don't make sense. So what is it with the word struggle right now for leaders? And I'm going to frame it this way. It is a conversation I'm having a lot of recently. It represents just this pattern Because we know leadership has always been important and leaders have always had various types of struggles. In my work, I often say, if leadership is easy, you're doing it wrong. So leaders find themselves struggling right now. Not that it's a new thing, but it's a now thing. Our space, our place, this time. Leaders have always taken on challenges pretty much, I believe, since the beginning of humans. But what does this struggle look like now? So if leaders are struggling, what does that look like? 
Now, we could probably take that certainly to wider populations and humans in general right now struggling with so many things going on in our environment. But today, I just I want to focus on leaders a bit and what that looks like for us. Because we've seen this rapid pace and change and growth in the world around us. We've seen this enormous explosion of data and technology. We have signs all around us that didn't used to exist, like literally. Consider this, a no-drone-fly zone didn't used to need to be said. Some years ago, we would have never said something like, huh, I think we need a no-drone-fly zone sign posted in this park because we don't want people flying things around. Now, we called them remote-controlled airplanes or helicopters at one point, but We didn't have to worry about typically that remote control helicopter having a camera on it and way more functionality like a drone does today. Years ago, we would have never dreamed of creating our own currency. And yet here we are with a whole new world expanding in decentralized finance and creating currency. Well, those are some big, wide economic, changing governments, changing policies, different kinds of strategies, the the dollar, the gold standard, so many things going on in our wider world. Okay, so can't conquer that today. Let's bring it back into the organization. We've seen leadership change from compliance to commitment. We've watched organizational charts flip upside down. We've understood that great ideas can come from anywhere. And in this collaborative, adaptable, networked environment, we've got to figure out how to help work flow. We've had to understand that we are preparing students right now for jobs that don't even exist. And how do you help somebody learn to do a better job and manage their performance and coach them when they're supervising a fleet full of driverless vehicles, right? There are just jobs that didn't used to be. And yet, as leaders, we've got this interesting combination of factors going on, and I am finding leaders being more despondent, disconnected, concerned, stressed than I've seen for a long time, or maybe ever, at least within my career. What does that look like? Because leadership has always been lonely. If you're listening to this and you're like, oh, yeah, Selena, I, I, there's not very many people I can talk to. I can't say out loud to as many people what I want to be able to share with them because I just can't talk about it. And my dog or my spouse or my partner or my best friend doesn't really want to hear about it all the time. Well, actually, four-legged creatures are way better at that than sometimes two-legged creatures are, right? So what does this mean for leaders if we're struggling? And if we're riding the struggle bus, like we're going bus stop to bus stop to bus stop, we're like, seriously, whole new set of challenges. Well, today I want to share a few ideas with you about recognizing the space and place you're at. Own it. Own the struggle. Like, put that on a t-shirt. There are some struggle bus t-shirts out there, by the way. But recognize you're there. And now you may go, Selena, I know I'm there. Okay, then step two, recover. What are those things you need to do right now to recover from the setbacks you've had? Maybe you didn't like that bus stop, but 
you know you got to deal with it before you can move on to the next spot. And then what I want you to think about is reinforcing your next steps to last over time. We have to build back our ability to bounce back. And when you're tired, that's really, really hard. Now, we also culturally have a phrase of, I'm asking for a friend, asking for a friend. So when that shows up on social media, it's usually written in a sarcasm font. <laughs> oh, da, 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 I'm struggling with this. I'm struggling with this. Uh, anyone have any suggestions? I'm asking for a friend. Or usually they get tied to something funny that we really want to say that we need to do this, but we're asking for a friend. So today, if you're not sure that you would admit you're struggling, maybe you just need to ask for a friend. So let's look at recognize first. I'm using the phrase lately, gut check, because our gut, A, we know physiologically is just way smarter than we've given it credit for because there is a huge gut-brain connection. And we see the connection of gut health, which is an area I'm so not qualified to speak about. But in intuitive decision-making, we have understood the power of a gut, a gut reaction, a gut feeling. And for anybody listening into this podcast who has ever not listened to something their gut was telling them, I would bet dollars to donuts that you probably regretted that decision. I know I have. And there's actually interesting research out there about that honing that gut instinct. And I find within organizations, it's really important, but alone, it is not a complete solution. So I like the trifecta, gut plus data plus perspective. Let's break that down a little bit. Gut. Gut is that intuitive feeling of, oh, this is so not a good idea. True story. I was sending off a report to a board of directors yesterday. It had some really sensitive information in it. They were asking me to email it on an address that I just, it was a distribution list. And my gut, I just couldn't send it. I'm like, I can't do this. Once I email it out, I no longer control the content. And there's really some sensitive information in here that cannot get into the wrong hands within this company, confidentiality. And um, we needed to, we had some fiduciary due diligence responsibility to take care of before we released that to the public. So my gut was just talking to me. Like I couldn't even function on other things because I kept coming back to this going, this just doesn't feel right to me. And I made an adjustment. I did something different. I took out the sensitive information, said I would report on it in person and it felt much better. So gut has a powerful force when we pay attention to it, but gut plus data. So what does data mean in this example of the trifecta? Data is what are your measurements? What's on your dashboards? What are your key performance indicators? What has happened with this situation? What has not happened with this situation? Data are your checkpoints 
of what do you know and what is real. Because that gut is coming off of all sorts of signals internally within our environment and externally outside of our body. Data gives us a way to look at something unequivocally different. Now, data alone doesn't make a great decision. So data plus gut gets us a whole lot of stuff. But I'm going to go for that third piece, and that is adding in perspective. So if my gut is telling me, and I pull some data to understand my gut, who do I need to talk to and see it from their perspective so I can see it with some new insight? Now, I don't want to go just get perspectives from people who think like me. I want to get some perspective on this situation. I want to get some perspective on that data. I want to get perspective on what is it that I am trying to decide in this moment. Gut plus data plus perspective. So consider today in terms of recognizing what struggle bus stop you are at. What has your gut been telling you? What data can give you better feedback? And what other perspectives do you need to seek? Because what, once we recognize this, we can do a better job recovering. And I do believe that there is a strong connection between recognizing it. When that gut is telling us something, sometimes it's a trust issue. Sometimes it is something intuitively that doesn't show up in the data or might be seen differently from perspective. But it's also why we need all three. So how do we recover from that? Because you can't give it to other people. You can't give them your talents and your energy and your inspiration and your support if you don't have it in your own tank. So I love, and I've I've talked about this in previous podcasts, where rest is not equal because sometimes you need physical rest. Sometimes you need mental rest, a recovery from decision overload. Sometimes you need emotional rest from heavy and hard situations. Other times you need spiritual rest where you need to connect to a higher power or sense of something bigger than yourself. Others might need some social rest and social rest for some is hanging out with people. Social rest for others is being alone. Sometimes we just need some Time out. I, can can someone, you know, I, I, I've said this as an adult. My parents are both gone, but <laughs> I, I, I've said over the years, can someone just ground me, please? Like, let me ground me to my bedroom for like a month. That would be fantastic. Because And usually in those moments where I'm like, just, just make me stay home by myself, I need a break from overstimulation, that I got too much going on and I need some sensory rest. Or sometimes we need creative rest, a hobby or an activity you can just lose yourself in. Because all rest, going back to my earlier point, is not equal. So you can't recover from something unless you do something different than you've been doing to get past or through it. So what type of rest are you good at getting? What type of rest do you need and you're not getting? Because I can recognize it, but if I do not put myself in a place of recovery, I'm going to be stuck at the same bus stop. I do believe it's important for us to assess priorities when we're recovering, 
to take the responsibility we need to for the next steps and know that it's not going to happen overnight. We've got to give it some time. You know, I often hear from clients, hey, Selena, we want you to come talk about this. We we need this changed and this time this way and these behaviors need to change and these people need to change and these patterns and these habits and we need all of this to be different. Great. So how long can I speak to your group and work with them and what's this look like? And they go, how's an hour? Uh, you know, I can't change 30, 40, 50 years of bad habits in an hour. So we have to recognize that change takes time. And when we view it as a process, we also recognize that recovery is a process, that there are going to be some days we're still struggling. There are some days we're stuck at some struggle bus bus stops. You tired of that example yet? But I think it's kind of funny. All right. Recover. What is the next most important action you need to take at the recovery stage? What is your timeline? How urgent is this for you? Or maybe you're in a different space. You need to exercise more patience. Third one for today. So if we recognize it and we're recovering from it, we've got to reinforce it, which means for all of us sticking to it. Because our goal here really is consistency over time. And we have to remember that growth is not just an ascending line. It's like a squiggly, hot mess. Recently in my own world, there have been some new struggles. And I finally came back to the phrase that I am in the messy middle. I am not where I want to be. I'm not where I was. But this middle stuff, and that's really where I had to reflect on the fact that growth is not this upward slope. It's not like climbing a mountain. It's over peaks and valleys and dungeons and bridges and waterways. And yeah. So if we really just need to reinforce this over time, the goal is progress over time. So what markers can you create to know you're on track? What would be your guidepost to know that as you're climbing the mountains, going over the peaks, down the valleys, through the bridges, across the waterways, what will keep you focused? So for some people, that's a higher power. For some people, that's a value set. For some people, uh, expand the meaning of those guideposts. How will you know you're on track? What does that look like for you? So what does this all mean for us today? Everybody struggles, and there are different types of struggles at different times. As leaders, you carry a lot of weight of responsibility. You carry so much on your shoulders. It's okay to struggle. Okay, say that again with me. It's okay to struggle. And as a leader, if you're struggling, then get some help. Do what you need to do. Is that rest? Is that data? Is it perspective? Is there something you need to do for you to realign your guideposts, to recognize you're across a waterway and not at a mountain peak right now? Although I love water, so that's not the issue, right? Ah, uh, leaders, we need you. We really, really need you to lead effectively. And go back to my earlier phrase, you can't bring it if you got nothing left in your tank. So this is your call to action today. What do you need to do for you to make sure that you are bringing your A game, your best round 
to your team. And if you're not, own it, step away, take care of yourself. And you know what? There is nothing better. I would have you mentor to your team as taking care of yourself so you can be great for others. On behalf of the Workplace Chameleon, learn something new today. Smash mental health stigmas and make good choices. Until next time, this is Dr. Selena.